This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody, it's Lon Seidman, and it's time for your weekly wrap-up. And I want to begin first, as we always do, by thanking our newest Patreon supporter, Gary Johnson is actually an ongoing supporter. He gives via the tip jar on a regular basis, and he did so again the other day. So I want to thank Gary and everyone who's been contributing here on an ongoing basis because every little bit helps, and it's going into our fund that helps pay Corey's salary here on the channel for uh, doing all the things that he does around here. You'll see him very shortly on something, I am sure, when we get the uh, live stream stuff going. But I want to thank everyone who does contribute as well as everyone who watches on a regular basis, too, because all of those things equal channel growth. And we have no sponsor again this week, but our non-ad is going to go once again to GearBest.com because they are having a couple of big sales for the holiday shopping season. I've got a link up there uh, that takes you right to their Xiaomi page. I love Xiaomi products. They got all sorts of cool stuff, and there's a bunch of things on sale, including some of the premium laptops that we've looked at here on the channel as well. So you can click on that lon.tv slash me link. that will take you right in. It's an affiliate link. So anything you do buy benefits the channel. Now, last week on the Extras channel, we had three unboxings, a Jedi Challenges thing, the Apple TV 4K, and a Chewy laptop that I'll be taking a look at probably tomorrow or Wednesday here on the main channel. And on the main channel, we reviewed that Apple TV 4K, the Moto X fourth generation. We had a sponsored tutorial from Norton Core on their parental controls, that router we looked at a couple of weeks ago. I also looked at the Apple AirPods and that Lenovo Star Wars thing that I talked about. I did want to do two follow-ups on some things that uh, came up from my prior reviews here. First on the uh, Apple AirPods, because a lot of people said, these have been out for like a year and a half. Why are you reviewing them now? Well, the reason is, is that I finally got a pair now. I was having a hard time finding them uh, when they came out. And sometimes it's not a bad thing to review a product that's been around for a while because YouTube often likes to put new, fresh content about older stuff up in front of people first. And we'll see how well uh, this one does because I think this one might actually do okay on the search engine as a result. We'll take a look at that in the next couple of days and see what happens. And then on the Apple TV 4K, uh, some folks pointed out that there's going to be an update that might negate one of the big knocks that I had against it, which was the fact that it didn't switch out of its HDR mode when playing back non-HDR content. It looks like an update coming soon will do that. Uh, So once that update is released, I will take a look at it and see if it makes my opinion of the product a little better. I'm not hating on it, but it's not as good as I think it could be. And there's some software things, I think, including the one I just mentioned there, that might make it a little better. One other errata that I uh, didn't mention properly in the review is that this does have a fan on it. I couldn't hear the fan, but there is a fan on there. Some viewers pointed out from a teardown that was on iFixit.com that they uh, did put a fan in there. But again, it's very silent. And now it's time for a couple of things that are on my mind. This is week 38 of me doing this as a full-time occupation. And I had a good week, a pretty productive week, especially when I can get five videos posted to the channel. It always feels like a, a good week to me. I do have a little bit of a cold, though. My two kids came down with it, and they've been sneezing on me for the last two weeks, and I finally caught it. Uh, so hopefully my voice doesn't sound too far off, but uh, the show must go on if I am capable of sitting in this chair and talking. So that is what I'm going to be doing. I added some new things for you international viewers, especially if you have access to Amazon in your country. 
I started using something called Kit, and I'm going to uh, begin putting international Amazon affiliate links in my video description. So if you are outside the U.S., uh, click through on that Kit link. It is going to bring you to a second page that you then have to click off of again, but uh, this is the easiest way I could see to implement uh, international uh, Amazon links. So if you are outside the U.S. and you started seeing some of these Kit links, uh, let me know how they're working. I want to make sure that I'm actually getting people over to these uh, international sites. I did set up affiliate accounts on most of them, and then Kit has some stuff that they're uh, doing for creators as well. If you haven't checked out Kit yet, it's pretty cool. You can put together uh, blocks of products and then offer them as affiliate links, and it's been uh, pretty cool. So I'm going to be using that when I've got a bunch of things to group together. I did that on my cord cutting thing that I did the other day, and you'll be seeing a lot more of these kits in the future. I also wanted to let you know that there is not going to be a wrap-up next Monday, so I'm going to have something else in its place that I think you might like. It's going to be a uh, top 12 products of the year, things that I reviewed that I really liked, and I'm going to uh, group them all together in one video so you can see what my top picks of 2017 were. I also got a couple of good suggestions from all of you that might make uh, part of that video, so thank you all again for the feedback you provided on that segment. So now let's move on to some news, and uh, the first item here that I think you should all be taking a look at immediately is the fact that there is a big vulnerability in Intel's firmware. In fact, millions of computers are likely vulnerable here, and one of these bugs in the firmware code might be remotely accessible. So this is something you need to address ASAP. Uh, this is also another reason why you got to be careful when you buy some of these uh, off-brand Chinese laptops because they may probably not get this firmware update. Uh, but I've got a link here to an Ars Technica article. They've got all the information on what this problem is about, how you can see if your computer has it. It's mostly the newer processors that are vulnerable here, but uh, definitely take a look at that link and do what you need to do to get your computer updated. Not all manufacturers have yet provided an update, but uh, they will be soon. But again, you got to make sure that your manufacturer is supporting your hardware in the long term here. And again, another reason why you want to be careful uh, where you get your PCs from. And Comcast lost a major patent battle against TiVo. They're not going to be able to import or sell their X1 set-top boxes for a, a period of time, at least until they rectify the dispute here. And uh, what this dispute involves is a patent that uh, the parent company of TiVo has involving remotely programming your DVR with a smartphone. That's the patent they have. Unfortunately, uh, the parent company of TiVo gets a lot of their revenue from uh, these crazy patents that they've been able to acquire over the years, and uh, they're enforcing one of them here. So what Comcast said they're going to do, rather than pay TiVo uh, for that patent, they're going to take the feature out of the X1. And at that point, I would imagine it would be more compliant and will probably be quickly getting back onto the market. Uh, the big question will be, what does Comcast have to pay TiVo in damages over this suit? So we'll see what happens with it, but everyone once in a while, Comcast loses, and this is one time that they did. And now it's time for some Q&A from you, the viewers. And our first question comes in here from Will9183, and he's talking about Amazon Fire tablets. He won't recommend them to anybody. He's had three of them. They've all had charging problems less than a year after purchase. But as he points out here, uh, the cheap Amazon Fire tablets, the 7 and the 8-inch tablets, only come with a 90-day warranty. I believe I mentioned that in uh, the reviews I did of both products, but I just want to reiterate that again here because they do have a short warranty, and if you have a problem after 90 days, you may as well just throw them out. The cost of repair will probably cost more than it would be to buy a new one, so uh, definitely keep that in mind. Uh, two notes, though, to add on to that because there are some variances in how they uh, do these warranties. So, for example, I bought my daughter uh, the kid version of the Amazon tablet. I think I got her the 7-inch version, and uh, that one comes with a longer warranty. In fact, they guarantee it two years 
even if the kid breaks it, uh, which is a pretty good deal, I think. You do pay more for the tablet. It's like an extra $50, but you also get a trial run of their uh, kid app and video service and some other stuff with it also. And I have to say now, I've been uh, using this for about a year and a half or so, uh, and my kid has not broken it yet. My other daughter has uh, cracked up three iPad mini screens in the same period of time, even with otter boxes attached. So uh, these devices actually are holding up better than I expected. But I do have a two-year warranty should she do anything else to it in the interim. Again, you pay more for that. Uh, the 10-inch tablet that I just reviewed a couple of weeks ago, that one does have a full one-year warranty. Uh, that one's selling at the moment because it's a holiday special for $99. I think that's a great value and maybe get that one uh, over these smaller cheaper ones because they don't have the same warranty. So uh, just bear that in mind. These warranties are short on these devices and the quality isn't so great on them, but uh, they are good for what they are. Now settle in kids because this next question is going to be a long one. Uh, Lewis here is wondering my thoughts on net neutrality and if I'm going to make a video about it. And I sure am going to make a video about it right now. Now what I want to try to do is give you my view of this. I, I think it's important to look at this issue for uh, what I think the real impacts are going to be versus what people are speculating about. And there's a lot to talk about. There's going to be a lot that I might be predicting here that may end up being wrong. I hope not, but uh, that is possible. And I do want to say at the outset, as an independent content creator, I am concerned about what you're hearing about net neutrality, which is that the FCC is on track to uh, strip away the regulations that were put in place against ISPs about two years ago or so. Uh, there have been many attempts over the years to try to get a neutral net. All of them had failed. And what happened during the Obama administration was that they uh, started classifying Internet service providers as public utilities, which required them to operate under a certain set of regulations and not treat traffic differently on the Internet. Uh, that is going to go away. And unfortunately, what's going to happen here is the FCC is going to allow monopolies, essentially your local Internet provider, uh, to regulate themselves. And allowing monopolies to self-regulate is never a good idea, in my opinion. However, I don't think the impact is going to be as scary, at least initially, as some people speculate, but we could get there eventually. So let's take a look now and uh, kind of walk through the process. So uh, go to, there's a bunch of places you can go to read about what the FCC is planning. This is one uh, article that sums it up pretty well. And uh, again, basically what's going to happen here is that the telecoms, our internet service providers, have been asking to get this regulation off their backs. And that is exactly what the FCC is going to be doing in probably about two weeks or so. They are taking public comment, but the reality is the FCC just doesn't care. They have the votes to overturn this regulation. It's something that uh, people who were running for office last year decided was important to do, and that is what's going to happen. Elections have consequences, and if you don't like what's going on here, you need to vote the way uh, you think on certain items, because sometimes this stuff happens, and this is a consequence of the election, and that is not going to change no matter what anyone says or does. Bottom line. So let's take a look at what the FCC is proposing to do here under this change. So right now, ISPs are considered public utilities, and that means all content has to be treated equally coming across the network. Now, the reality is ISPs really haven't been doing that. I'll talk more about that in a minute, but uh, right now they can't discriminate between a video coming over from YouTube and one coming over maybe from Vidme or Amazon or some other platform. Uh, what's going to happen after this ruling is made uh, is that the monopolies, as I mentioned, are going to be uh, out of this public utility designation. There's not going to be any regulation on content, which means 
theoretically, they could decide to uh, throttle one service and favor another, maybe their own services, for example. But I think the reality is going to be a little different than that, and I'll get to that in a second. Uh, the other thing they're going to be doing is taking regulation of these ISPs out of the hands of the FCC and place it over to the Federal Trade Commission, which here in the United States is what enforces consumer law. And what they're going to be saying to ISPs which is, is that they need to be transparent about their practices and how they treat content on the web. And they're going to have the FTC make sure that those companies are living up to the promises they're making to customers. However, uh, the monopoly can change their uh, terms of service anytime they want. And if they decide to make a change, there's nobody stopping them from doing so. So if they could say today, we're not going to throttle content, but tomorrow decide that they want to throttle content. If they change their terms of service, there's going to be nothing the FTC can do to stop them from that. So in reality here, they're just being given uh, full control to do whatever they want. And this last part of the proposal is what really concerns me is that uh, states are going to be barred from any kind of net neutrality legislation on their own or really uh, any consumer protections for that matter related to how ISPs compete with each other or how monopolies are treated in a particular state. Every market's a little different. Some markets have a lot of choices. Some have few. No matter what, the uh, state legislatures and state officials and even local officials are not going to have any control after this new proposal is passed. So what will a non-neutral internet look like? Well, we can take a look at what Comcast has to say about the matter, and they've been posting this kind of stuff over the last couple of years, uh, confirming their commitment for net neutrality. They say they're not going to block, they're not going to throttle, they're going to be transparent. The problem, though, is that after these regulations are removed, the only one defining what those words mean are the ISPs themselves. In fact, Comcast could have a different definition of blocking and throttling than Verizon might, for example. And as long as those uh, definitions are in their terms of service, there's nothing the FTC or anyone else, for that matter, can do about it. And if we look at what Comcast has done in the recent past, uh, their definitions of blocking and throttling might be a little different than what other people might uh, assume them to be. And this is a great article that I suggest all of you read if you are curious about this topic, because uh, there was a period of time in 2013 where uh, the Netflix performance on the Comcast network started to drop off. There was a similar issue on Verizon as well. And what was happening was more and more people were signing up for Netflix streaming. They were putting more and more data uh, onto these networks of these ISPs. And the ISPs were getting a little frustrated that they uh, were having to pay, essentially, or just provide the infrastructure to bring in all of this stuff for a company that they weren't getting any uh, money out of. And what they ended up doing was uh, allowing the connections to saturate. They weren't throttling or blocking, but what they were doing was not adding capacity for uh, the networks that were sending the Netflix data over to Comcast and Verizon, for example. And the important thing to know about the internet is that it's not a thing. It is a network of networks, and different networks interconnect with each other, and there are relationships, there are business transactions related to connecting these networks together. And what Comcast said to Netflix was, look, we're not going to take your data anymore. If you want to get the service that uh, you want to provide to your customers, you're going to need to pay us to uh, allow you to get direct access to our network. And that is exactly what Netflix did. They're continuing to pay that uh, to this day. And this is exactly the kind of stuff that uh, is going to go on in the non-neutral net, probably to an, a higher degree. And the way they're going to do this, I think, is through uh, the data caps that Comcast and many other ISPs are now rolling out across the country. I have not yet been given my data cap here in Connecticut where I live, but I know it's coming. A lot of viewers out there are already under this cap, and they're saying 
Uh, you can get a terabyte of data transferred in and out of your home. And then after that, you're going to get charged on a uh, per gigabyte or more rate. And that gives Comcast tremendous leverage over the content providers that are sending data into their network. So let's take a look at maybe what somebody's one terabyte data cap might look like at the end of the month. Maybe they had 31% of their content coming from Netflix, 38% on Amazon, and then a mix of some of the other services that are out there. But maybe they're only looking at 11% of their content on Xfinity. But what if Comcast said to you, hey, we noticed you're only doing about 11% of your overall content consumption with us. Uh, what if we uh, said to you that you can watch everything from us without it impacting your meter at all? What do you think is going to happen? Well, consumers might start uh, going over to Xfinity, even if the content's not great, uh, because they can get that content without impacting their meter and driving up uh, monthly costs. And I'm sure they're going to start programming their routers to maybe cut off certain services when they get too close to the cap, for example. And I'm already seeing people writing in about this kind of thing. A uh, frequent viewer here, Rockstar Bruski, wrote in about the fact that he's got the terabyte cap in Portland. His family is hitting that cap every month, and he's wondering if there's some way to have firmware on his router track the usage of these different services and limit perhaps how much his family might consume YouTube or Netflix, for example. And as an independent creator, uh, that ultimately will impact my bottom line because less views equals less revenue uh, if Comcast is able to do uh, what I just suggested here. And that, I think, is exactly what they're going to do right when they have the opportunity to do it. The only thing preventing them from doing what I just talked about right now is the fact that they are under these uh, public utility regulations. Once those go away, I think that's the first thing they're going to do. So after they implement all of this, who is going to be doing the throttling and blocking? Not Comcast. They can still say they're not doing it, but ultimately you are because you don't want your uh, monthly data fees to go up all that much. And as a result, you're going to make decisions that will uh, limit how much of that cap that you use every month. And I'm sure there's going to be ways you can buy your way out of the cap. But I think for a lot of consumers who are just looking for a basic internet service, they're going to be under these restrictive caps, and uh, those caps are going to get more restrictive, the better quality video that we all start pushing over our networks. And Comcast can say, we're not throttling, we're not blocking, we're giving consumers choice, and their excuse on the cap is going to be that they want to maintain a quality level of service for every customer. And if some customers are consuming too much data, it might impact the other ones out there. We've certainly heard that argument before, and I think that is exactly how uh, Comcast will be implementing the first leg of their uh, post-net neutrality world. The other concern that I have is that this largely could become an antitrust issue because Comcast not only owns the road, uh, they also own some of the content, including uh, Universal Pictures and NBC. And Comcast could certainly favor their own content, as I mentioned, and their own networks in the process here by not including those networks in the caps. That might be something the FTC could uh, raise in the future. Perhaps a uh, competing provider could file a lawsuit over that. But again, this is one of the things that can happen. They can certainly favor their own content because they own the monopoly, uh, which is the road, the data road uh, leading to your house. And that is another big concern of mine. Here's another thing that might crop up in the course of this. So let's take a look at buying games. And Steam has been kind of dominating the PC gaming market for digital distribution. They've got a great platform. But Microsoft is getting very aggressive in game distribution right now also. 
Guess who's got more money, Steam or Microsoft? Microsoft's got a lot more money than Steam does, right? So what happens when Microsoft sets up a deal with Comcast and you can get your 50 gigabyte game delivered to you that quickly versus uh, maybe half the day that it might take on Steam? So even if you're on maybe a really low-end data connection with Comcast, maybe they're going to open up that pipe and give you close to a gigabit to download that game from Microsoft uh, versus going to Steam. The difference being that Microsoft maybe will pay Comcast and other ISPs to get access to that faster data transfer. And that is certainly going to be of interest to a gamer that wants to play the game right now versus five hours from now. And that's another thing that can happen here that puts uh, Microsoft at a competitive advantage because they can afford to pay for that fast lane versus Steam. Uh, This does not make it easy for uh, smaller companies to compete against larger ones. And that is what happens when your net is not neutral. So who are the winners going to be in all of this? Well, clearly the ISPs are going to win out because they can charge a lot more money on every uh, side of their business. We consumers will have to pay more if we bust through our data cap. And of course, the people providing data and content to their networks will need to pay more to get uh, the best possible access to those consumers. And there's going to be a lot of leverage now that the ISPs will have over content providers. And this is kind of a flip for where, uh, from where things are currently with cable television, because right now, uh, even though Comcast provides you with cable television services, uh, you pay Comcast, but Comcast also pays the content providers for the networks you watch. And a great example is ESPN. Comcast pays a per subscriber fee back to ESPN, and ESPN requires that network to be shown on just about every uh, tier of cable service, which means that you're paying for things that you may or may not want to watch. But uh, what ESPN says to Comcast is, hey, if you don't pay us what we want, we're going to take our network elsewhere, and you might lose customers who really want to watch ESPN. Now the tides have turned. Uh, Comcast can say to ESPN, if you don't pay us, we're not going to give you the best access to our network. So to some degree, uh, this is kind of revenge for decades of how the content provider and cable company relationship has been. But we consumers ultimately are just going to pay more no matter what happens. So that's the winner side of it. But the other winners are going to be the companies that are large enough to uh, sustain the costs involved with getting better access to these networks. So that means Netflix, Google, and Amazon, I think, are all going to be fine in this. They're certainly opposed to it right now, uh, but they're opposed to it because they don't want to pay more uh, to these companies for delivering content to people, but they can afford to. And that means Uh, YouTube and other services I don't think are going to be impacted too heavily here. In the case of YouTube, they're already appearing on the Comcast X1 system, and I'm sure they're paying to be there. Uh, So they're probably already paying for uh, better access to the network already with Comcast and other providers. So I don't think it's going to impact things too much. But what it does mean is that the cost of advertising might be more on YouTube, which means I get less money out of the deal. You know, these are costs that will have to get redistributed out uh, as this develops. Amazon's the most interesting one here because they do have a lot to lose, which is the fact that not only does Amazon have video services, but they also power most of the online services that we use through their S3 system, which is the ability to uh, use Amazon servers to power your web applications. So many startups use this, and uh, Amazon can find themselves in a very uh, competitive place. If they do decide to pay Comcast and other providers for uh, good network access, that might drive startups more to Amazon than to competing services. Let's take a look at maybe some of the losers in this. Uh, DigitalOcean might be one that loses. It's a small startup that offers uh, low-cost virtual servers that you can lease for your uh, internet applications. Maybe they can't afford to pay Amazon or pay Comcast as much as Amazon can, and that might 
ultimately have new startups go over to Amazon for their uh, online services versus using something like DigitalOcean. Another example might be a service like Vidme that's been trying to build a YouTube alternative. Uh, if they can't get the same network access that YouTube does, or maybe they have uh, data caps that they're going to be under where YouTube pays not to be, uh, that would put them at a disadvantage too. So if you're trying to start up an alternative to something else, it means that it's going to be a lot harder to do that. And ultimately, I think the biggest loser is going to be people like you and me because we are consolidating now uh, the media into a small group of companies. In fact, Google and Facebook and maybe to some degree Amazon are going to be the only companies that you might want to send a message through to get out to the rest of the world because these other services just simply can't compete. They can't even get access to the network in a way that uh, these other companies can do that. And maybe you might say, hey, I'm going to watch these alternative uh, services because I want to help them get going and be strong. But uh, the reality is most consumers are going to be looking at that meter and determining that it's just not worth their money to go uh, watch somebody else's content when they can get something from Comcast, for example, for free, or maybe even from YouTube or uh, Facebook for that matter. So this is going to be really bad in the end uh, unless there is ISP competition. And I don't think that's going to happen either. Now, the only companies out there that could afford to do something like this, compete with uh, these other ISPs on a national level here in the U.S. are companies like Apple, Google, and Facebook. And I think ultimately uh, they'll just pay the money to get preferred access on these ISP networks as opposed to building their own. It will cost them a lot less to pay the toll than it will be to build a whole new set of roads. It's really hard to get your wires attached to poles up uh, throughout the country here. It's just a tremendously expensive exercise to have to run fiber. Even Google has decided to kind of roll back some of their uh, Google fiber ambitions because it just was so expensive to uh, put the infrastructure in that these large companies currently have a monopoly hold on. It just doesn't seem like it will be a good use of their money. They're under the same fiduciary responsibilities as the ISPs are. Their shareholders will not want them to build a second broadband network in the country just to prove a point. They want to make the most amount of money possible. Ultimately, it's cheaper to pay off the ISP than it is to build a competing service. So the big question is, is this the end of everything as we know it? And I don't think it's the end, but it's certainly going to strengthen all of these companies that are already very strong uh, in the ISP space, but also in the media space. Again, I think this is going to really uh, solidify Facebook and Google in particular as uh, the media powerhouses of probably the next 50 or 75 or 100 years or so. They're going to have a tremendous ability to pay Hey, uh, to get more consumers looking at their content versus uh, smaller companies that won't have that same level of access. That is what I think is going to happen in the short term. Ultimately, I'd love to see regulations not exist for competitive markets, but this is not a competitive market. You might say, oh, well, there are competitors out there here and there, but that's the whole point. There are a few here and there, but they don't have the reach to be really a threat to the business models of these large ISPs. Google Fiber in one market might uh, get Comcast to do something a little better in just that market, but it's not big enough to really affect a national change here that would uh, really allow for better competition. And the FCC chairman thinks by removing these regulations, you might see more of that competition. I don't think it's going to happen because the infrastructure costs in truly competing are so great that it just isn't something that I think can realistically happen in this country, just given how uh, big this country is from a physical landmass standpoint. So I'm not holding my breath here, but 
but technology does have a way of uh, innovating and sometimes disrupting. And I think ultimately there's probably going to be some uh, massive new wireless technology or something that will allow you to get a very fast broadband connection from a company that doesn't have to build out all the infrastructure that current technology requires. So maybe at some point in the next 20 years, we might be there, but ultimately we're going to be uh, at the uh, whim of our ISPs for the foreseeable future and just get your wallets ready uh, because we're all going to be paying a lot more money to them. And my Q&A for you this week is, of course, on net neutrality. I'd love to get your thoughts on the matter and let's have a nice a civil discussion. Hopefully we'll get some people in who are supportive of what the FCC is doing as well so we can uh, share some thoughts and ideas and see what uh, maybe some best solutions might be in the future to this. We probably can't solve the problem ourselves, but it's good to have the discussion anyway, so uh, leave those comments down below. Our channel of the week this week is a podcast. Who knows what will happen to podcasting when all this happens, but uh, the Antic Atari 8-Bit podcast is something I've been listening to quite a bit over the last few months, and uh, what's nice about this podcast is they do a lot of interviews with people who were uh, very active in the development of the early computers. And this goes beyond just the Atari computer because, of course, there were a number of competing platforms that some of the people being interviewed were programming for. There's a bunch of people that ran BBS systems back in the day. Really good interviews. The uh, folks that do the interviews here are so good at getting the guests to talk. They really do a nice job here. So if you are into uh, classic computing as I am, this might be a great podcast to check out. So this week we've got a bunch of stuff coming up including these little 8-bit dough controllers that just came out. They look just like a Super Nintendo controller but they have uh, analog sticks on them. They've got rumble built in, motion controls and of course they are wireless or wired with a USB-C connection. They work with the Switch, the Mac and PC. Really eager to check these things out so stay tuned for that. Uh, we also have a uh, overview of some of the ways that you can cut or shave the cable TV cord with the Apple TV using the HD Home Run. I'm going to show you three different examples of uh, not only TV, but DVR that you can use through the Apple TV. So that'll be coming up later in the week. And GearBest, once again, send us another computer to check out. This one is the Chewy Lapbook Air. That'll be coming up later in the week as well. So be on the lookout for that. And I'm sure I'll have some other stuff coming up too. Uh, if you want to help the channel, you can. You can go to lon.tv slash Patreon and make a monthly contribution to the channel. We also have the tip jar set up at lon.tv slash tip jar for a one-time contribution. And of course, we take PayPal at lon at lon.tv if you happen to be outside the United States. If you are looking to explore Plex, you can sign up for a free Plex account, no credit card required at lon.tv slash Plex, or given that it is the gift giving season, you can give a Plex pass to somebody at lon.tv slash Plex gift, and I'll get a small commission for that here on the channel. We also have a number of other channels that are related to what I do here. So the extras channel, of course, is where I, uh, where I unbox things and have some supplementary content. We have the podcast where you can find audio versions of this show. And I'm going to be hopefully at some point doing a separate podcast unique to that format. We got the snippets channel at lon.tv slash snippets. Vidme can be found at lon.tv slash vidme, which is mostly what I put on the extras channel. And I have our live streams archived at lon.tv slash live streams. I do suggest if you like what I'm doing to click the bell there and you'll always get notified every time I upload new content. You can do that across all of my different channels there. So I do suggest you do that. And of course, we have ways to engage with the channel, lon.tv slash email for the email list. We've got about 2,000 people on that, so I better send an email soon. If you haven't gotten an email, don't worry. I haven't sent one, but I will be uh, getting that going once we get the live streams 
planned out after I'm uh, done with a couple of travel-related items uh, this month. We also have the Facebook page at lon.tv slash Facebook, and the store is at lon.tv slash store, where I sell the things that I bought to review here on the channel, and you can always find a good deal on a very gently used product. And if you want to get an alert every time I add something to the store, go to lon.tv slash store alert, and you'll be notified of that. So that's going to do it for this week's weekly wrap-up. Uh, thank you for indulging me on my net neutrality thoughts. It's going to be a rather interesting uh, time here, and unfortunately, it's going through. So we're going to be living with whatever uh, these companies decide to do with uh, their newfound freedom here. So stay tuned. There's going to be a lot more to talk about, I am sure. But until then, this is Lon Seibin. Thanks for watching. Remember, no wrap-up on next Monday, but I will have uh, something in its place looking back on some of the best products of the year. Thanks again for watching, and we'll see you next time. This channel is brought to you by my Patreon supporters including Gold Level supporters, the Black Eyed and Blues Music Hour podcast, Chris Allegretta, and Kalyan Kumar. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv slash Patreon to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.